Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. P with Mr. P Explorers, and if you are tuning in right now, you are back for yet another episode of Mr. P's Tales from the Road. How are y'all doing today? Uh, greetings and salutations from the North Coast here in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, it is a, uh, a typical April day today, uh, sands the rain, it is kind of nice outside, it's, I believe it's in the 50, 50s right now, uh, so it's definitely uh, a perfect day. Uh, I have today off, it is Friday, so... Um, it's kind of nice to be off and just chilling out and here talking with you guys. I hope everybody is doing well out there. Um, Easter weekend is upon us, so many of us probably have today off. Some of us have today off. Uh, a nice day to kind of relax and, and get some work done. Uh, I apologize once again for getting this podcast out to you guys uh, later than I normally would. Usually I'd have it out on a Thursday night, but uh, it has been a crazy, crazy, crazy week. Um you know, uh, I don't even know where to begin on that. I'm not going to get too much into details. Just know that personal, on a personal level, on a personal career note, uh, things have been insane on that end. Uh, and so, you know how it is uh, when you gotta when you gotta make the paycheck. If you have a decision between making the paycheck and getting fed, and uh, you know doing the things you like to do, oftentimes you gotta go the route of the paycheck. So. Uh, all that work being done this week, lots of stuff going on. But uh, I'm glad to be here anyway, uh, a day late or otherwise. Again, I hope everybody's doing really well. Uh, it looks like it's going to be an amazing weekend to get out there and start exploring. Uh, coat and jacket weather seems to be done for the year, so I'm hoping that that is the case. Um, you never can tell, though. You never know. Uh, it snows in April, so we'll see. But I'm crossing my fingers that we are on our way towards a warm spring. We can get this season going. Lots of things in the works, lots of plans being laid. Um, Looking forward to getting out. I know I got some, some things planned for Eastern New York and New Jersey, and I, there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, in, in in the planning stages here. So we'll see what happens. But uh, again, as always, it's always good to have you guys here. I uh, hope you had a good week as well. Um, we are looking at continuing on with the adventures that we had uh, several weeks ago in New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Big Easy. Uh, Wasteland Explorer and I traveled down there. We moseyed on down. Uh, to the mouth of the Mississippi, where we spent three and a half days exploring abandoned and non uh, places of, of interest. Um, and uh, last week, I kind of gave you guys a preview, kind of a couple different places we'd hit that were kind of chill, relaxed explorers. Today, we're going to take it up a notch, though, and go into some places that were a little less, a little less calm, a little more sketchy, if you know what I'm saying, uh, where you know the heart was thumping and the adrenaline was rushing. Uh, we're going to take a, a look at two places today. Um, that we visited. Uh, each one of them could probably be a, a podcast episode in their own. Uh, we'll see what happens here. There are, there are a lot of details, a lot of ins and outs going on at these places, but um, hopefully I can fit them both in. So it may go a little over. We may go a little over the normal 40 minutes. We'll see. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, the two places I want to talk to about today, uh, some crazy things happened. Some things that even though we've been around and we've done some stuff, we weren't quite ready for the, the amount of sketchiness that was going on in these places. Uh, and you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about when I get to it. But um, the first place I want to talk to you guys about and tell a few stories about is a place that's been on my bucket list for a long time. Um, there's a lot of things in New Orleans that were on my bucket list. But this one was uh, definitely up towards the top. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it's basically, for all intents and purposes, one of the biggest abandoned Navy bases around. It's a Navy base. Uh, formerly known as Naval Support Activity New Orleans, this place sits on the Mississippi River, uh, not that far from downtown. It's this massive complex of buildings that used to be owned by the U.S. Navy, uh, and, uh, and other other branches of government were using it for different things. Other branches of, of military were using it for different things. It was a huge complex, and uh, we decided to go check this place out. Um, 
There's a huge history behind this place. I'm not going to give you guys every single little detail. I may give you a little bit here just to kind of explain just how vast this place was. Um, and, and if you didn't know that it was a Navy base, you might roll up on it and think, oh, this is just another industrial. It, it reminds you of one of the, the massive industrial complexes we have up here in the north. You know, uh, Albert Kahn and, and, and you know, it, look, it looks like a factory from outside. You wouldn't know unless you, you had done some research on it. But, um yeah, at one point, this place was 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 home to 3,900 active duty and 2,700 civilian personnel. It was huge. Uh, it, it housed people there. Um, part of the facility is still open on the other side of the Mississippi. You can see it from across the water. Um, it used to be home to Navy Reserve Forces Command until they moved it to, to Norfolk. Um, it, it, you know, it's seen a lot of history. It goes back at least 100 years, maybe even more, uh, that property. So lots of stuff has gone on there. Um, it included a, a 22-unit Navy lodge. Basically, it's a, it was for it was for transferring people where they would stay before they were transferred. Uh, a family service center for families that were were staying there. Child care center, you know, uh, for 42 children. Commissary, a Navy exchange, basically a company store, right? Uh, medical clinic, uh, recreational facilities, arts and crafts center, auto hobby center, base library. It had it all. This place had it all. It was basically a small city where the military would stay. Uh, you know, mainly Navy, but some Marines. All right, just a huge, huge place. Um, you know, if you want to check out the entire history of the property, you know, this place saw action as far back as World War One. So, uh, if you want to look that up, go ahead and check it out on Wiki. It's got a crazy long Wikipedia page on it. Just look up uh, the, the abandoned Navy base in in New Orleans. But, um, you know, it, it it basically it was used uh, during the Great Depression. They trained people there uh, for the WPA. Uh, you know when they had the the works projects uh, administration going on, uh, they they had people training there. They had they had jobless men who came in to train to go out and build stuff. You know for the government, uh, so it was a training place for that. Um, you know it, it held uh, all kinds of transients from from you know, homeless people from that point in time. Uh, Twenty five hundred homeless men and they were trained for the for the WPA. So kind of cool. Uh, and of course during World War II it was reactivated. It became a huge naval center um, and it stayed on like that. It, it had several navy ships docked there as their home dock. Um, it became a naval repair base. Uh, it became just a headquarters for support. It was a, it was a big 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 deal, and uh, it stayed that way up until relatively recently. Um, so it's on the east bank of the Mississippi, and there are three huge buildings that are part of this. There may have been more at one point, I don't know, but these three buildings were, uh, just think about, like, um, if you've ever seen Fisher Body Plant in, in, in Detroit, think of that, you know, six stories tall, but longer, like, probably, like, maybe, maybe, like, an extra half as long as Fisher is. Huge buildings, three long, you know, buildings, all next to each other in a row, um, that were part of this thing, and again, they had they had the Albert Kahn style going on with uh, you know, the massive pillars, reinforced concrete. Uh, you know, each one contained over uh, one half million square feet of floor space. Okay, so imagine how much space is involved. There's a lot of space. Um, now, when we went in, when we, when we scouted this place out, you know, we could tell that there was there were there were three buildings. Two of them looked to be as if they had been used as. Um, Offices, right? Offices and all the facilities you'd need for families living there. There was probably housing space there. Uh, the other one was used, from all we could tell, as part of a parking garage, you know, for parking. They had converted this massive factory uh, section into a parking garage. Uh, and there was a parking ramp and one of those old 70s spiral parking ramps that took took you up to the different levels. And they probably built that after the fact. 
Um, but huge, huge building. And, and in the front, I don't know if this came after um, or if this was part of the, you know, the 70s expansion of this place, but the, the whole front had this brutalist look to it. You know, all concrete, all 1970s space age weird looking. You know, if you, if you don't know what brutalist looks like, look it up. Um, you'll know what I'm talking about. All concrete, all, all very, you know, just massive monolithic building. Um, it was the uh, the space where where during World War II all the all the men embarked on their ships uh, from this spot to go off to wherever they were heading. You know, if they were going to uh, the Asian theater, they'd probably you know start from New Orleans and head down towards the Panama Canal, or they'd come up in, in towards Europe. So it was a big a big spot for for launching people off to war. All right. Um, now, of course, it got hit with, with Hurricane Katrina. There was some severe damage there, especially to the bottom floors. Uh, from what I can tell, most of that got cleaned up, I guess. You know, the military cleaned that up, uh, but then uh, decided to close the base anyway. Uh, and it was uh, prepared to be sold. Uh, they, were, they actually sold it to um, the feds, and the feds turned it into basically what, we call it, what they called a federal city. So they housed regional homeland security offices there and federal agencies, um, and when they closed it in 2011, it became the F. Edward Hebert Defense Complex, which is what its final its final uh, final situation was. Uh, they had a whole bunch of different businesses in there. Um, there was a software company in there. There were a couple of different companies that shared that space, so they leased it out to different businesses and stuff like that. But uh, somewhere between that point and now, all of those businesses departed. They closed the facility, and that's, of course, as you guys know, that's when crazy stuff starts happening. Uh, as soon as you abandon a facility, um, and I don't know who owns it. I'm assuming the city of New Orleans owns it now because that's who patrols around the area. So, you know, somewhere between 2011 and, and today, uh, things went south, and it closed down, and it just everything went to hell. Scrappers moved in, started ravaging anything made of metal, Right, anything they could find in there. Uh, homeless colonies followed soon after that. Uh, just, just dozens of people started living there. Um, because of all the floors, it made it easy to hide, find a nice place to hide. So you know, if any any cops did come around, you know they're not coming in there looking for you. Uh, there's lots of places to hide in this building, as we're going to get into. Uh, drugs and crime blew up inside the complex. You know, drug deals, junkies were living there, uh, and of course, this sucked for the for the neighborhood because the neighborhood, uh, the locals in the neighborhood, were used to this place being a well kept you know military facility where you know everything was taken care of and it was secure and uh, you know it was kind of a safe a safe situation. And it went from that to you know crime den within a couple years, and the locals you know couldn't do anything about it. The city either didn't have the resources because, you know, I mean, let's face it, New Orleans didn't, after, New, after Katrina, New Orleans didn't have the resources to do much of anything except for rebuild, you know, the downtown areas. Um, it's been on the decline ever since. So you imagine it, it's happened there, right? Graffiti artists came in and, and that was one of the beautiful things we'll get into. Like this place became a canvas for graffiti artists. And as I mentioned last week, New Orleans has a, a, a creme de la creme, uh, you know, of, of, of graffiti artists. And we saw a lot of their work there. Um, of course, people like us showed up there eventually, urban explorers, um, you know, come in and, and, and brave the not always chill residents that call the place home. Um, a bunch of other problems came of this, all right? You know, you got this abandoned facility. Uh, a few summers ago, a massive old oil tank on the property spilled. Someone must have been scrapping it or whatever, but this huge tank uh, uh, had like 2,000 gallons of diesel fuel, 
It was on the property. And for whatever reason, it fell and it spilled all of that diesel fuel into the nearby Mississippi. So, you know, uh, the city had to clean that up. Um, the Coast Guard came and helped. The state, the local officials, everybody had to help clean it up. So this was massive oil spill um, in, in, in the river a couple of years back. Uh, you know, there's, there's still water running somehow. I don't know if they haven't shut the water up, but there's broken pipes. There's rushing water coming out of that still. Uh, kind of reminds me of Detroit where there's some schools that still have water running to them. So you have water main breaks, you know, in the basement. And the water's been running there for six, seven years. That kind of situation. Uh, trash fires have been started there by squatters. Um, every year there's something. And one grot of control, they had to send, you know, this, this, this massive group of, of firemen in there to put these fires out. Uh, according to the, the 2016 report, I guess 80 crimes had happened on the property since since 2011. So you know, theft and battery, you know, that kind of stuff. Lots of lots of nasty things. Bodies left on the property, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm sure more happened after that report. You know, that was seven years ago. I'm sure you know a lot more has happened since then. But that was what the the only report I could find. 80 80 major crimes on the property since 2016. All right. Um, so yeah. Uh, you know, instead of contractors, workers, and government personnel, you had a stream of homelessness coming in and out of the building at all hours. So the neighborhood was was pretty much up in arms. Um, you know, scrappers would pull whole trucks up and go nuts. They just they just start ripping things. It was like an all you can eat buffet for scrappers. Uh, and eventually, the city got forty million from FEMA uh, to to renovate the site. But for some reason, the money never made it to the project. Who knows where it went? Nobody seems to know. Um, now, I guess, I, as, I, as I found out on a semi-positive note, a production crew filmed scenes for some Netflix sci-fi movie called Power. I never saw it. It had Jamie Foxx and Gordon, uh, sorry, jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. I don't know what that was all about. I never saw it, but apparently they did some filming there. Uh, so you can find that movie. You can probably see some scenes from this place in there. All right, and, and this, is, this is the latest report. We're, we're almost to the story part. I'm just giving you guys a little bit of history and some background here. All right, uh, July 2022, so almost a year ago, the uh, New Orleans Police Department SWAT team, uh, the New Orleans firefighters, the EMS, and a whole ton of city homeless services and private security kind of converged on the place, and uh, they removed between 40 and 50 people camping on the grounds. Um, they were removed by force. Um, you know, these guys were dragged out, basically carrying whatever they could carry, uh, you know, toting their belongings behind them, you know, in little, those little suitcase things you find at the airport, right? Uh, shopping carts, that kind of thing. Um, contractors were there putting up uh, perimeter fences, taking out the vegetation so you could see, uh, just starting the process of getting all the garbage and all the trash that was been left there out of the site. Um, and of course, you know, that only lasts so long because it requires money to maintain that. So, over the last year, a lot of that's been undone. There's multiple entrances now. There's rips in the fence. There's, you know, there is some security on site, which I'll get into, all right? But for the most part, people have begun moving back into the building and just being more sneaky about how they do it. So I guess the goal was to turn the place into, into, a, into a, basically a, a commercial complex, you know, 300 affordable housing units with a mix of retail, but uh, no one really knows when and if that's going to happen. So... Who knows? But that's that's a little bit of the history of the place. So just a big, big, big place. All right. So we we actually showed up at this complex on our first day in New Orleans. Um, this was the second place we went out to. 
um, after we explored the prison that I talked about last week. And you know, it, it, it instantly blew us away. You know, we're, we're used to these massive Albert Kahn structures, so it's kind of like a subconscious, hey, it's like home. You know, it felt like being at home exploring one of these massive factories in Detroit or Cleveland or you know, any of the Rust Belt cities. Uh, we were in our element, right? It was a, a building we were used to. Uh, you know, graffiti covered every surface, you know, which everything was covered in graffiti, colorful graffiti. Um, now, as we were walking, you know, along the front, there's, along the main street, you know, as you look back uh, at these buildings, there's a, there's a fence and you're along the main street. Uh, there's a gate that goes towards the back that runs past the, you know, the, the ramp to the parking garage. And sitting there was an Escalade, a lone black Escalade, just sitting there in the open driveway. And uh, we had no idea. It didn't look like your normal security car. It just looked like some dude hanging out. We're like, well, maybe he's eating lunch. You know, maybe he's calling his girlfriend. Who knows? Uh, but we've, you know, we thought eh, maybe we shouldn't find out what this guy's up to. Maybe we should just kind of avoid this guy. Um, we didn't know what he was doing there, so we felt like maybe we shouldn't go in that. That's too easy. Let's not go in that way. So we started looking for secondary entrances. And, of course, we found a path at the far end of the property, right along the rail yard that runs next to the complex. Of course, there's this little little path that runs along between the train the, the train cars and the uh, the fence, and somebody had cut a hole in there, so in we went. Um, thank you, thank you, inhabitants, for <laughs> preparing the way for us. Um, you could tell, you, you could see all the patch jobs that had been done there over the last few years. You know, tons of, like, you know, extra fencing that had been... Uh, put onto the old holes that were there. Um, which any, any, anybody who does urban exploration who does this can tell you that's a fruitless endeavor because wire snips and willpower are going to win every time. All right? You can, you can repatch a fence as many times as you want, but someone's going to come along with wire snips, and you know, within seconds, there's another hole. Um, so we slipped into this, this hole and began wandering the outsides of this, this structure. We wanted to get a lay of the land to see what, you know, where our entrances were and... Uh, from where we had slipped in, because we didn't know exactly where people were coming in and out. So we're walking around this, this massive complex. And I don't know how to explain this, but the three, the three long buildings had these, <laughs> I, I call them the canyons, because they're these giant canyons. They look like canyons. They're these huge, long canyons. And attaching uh, each building to each other are these massive skyways. So you have these canyons with six stories up on both sides and these crazy cool skyways. And it's just like this long canyon so we're looking down these canyons we're doing some outside shots right getting some outside shots and we figure well while we're here we'll we'll, get, we'll at least start outside and we'll work our way in if we can uh about 10 minutes in, into doing this we've been shooting and just goggling at the architectural landscape and out of nowhere turning around the corner is a north sorry not north i'm thinking north homestead here all right <laughs> no a new orleans police department cop car comes around the corner all right lights on no whoops, nothing like that. But he turns the corner around the building, and we fully expect this guy to pull up and ask us what we're doing there. All right? He just kind of drives by slowly. Doesn't I, We couldn't even tell if he was looking at us. He just drives by, right? And we're fully expecting this guy to stop, roll down his window, or get out of the car. Or, you know, what are you guys doing? We, we weren't going to run. There was no point in running. Um, the guy had us dead to rights. Uh, but he never got out of the car. He just kept on driving, you know, back down towards the front of the building and then around the next corner towards, you know, the main parking lot in the front. And we're like, well, what the hell was that all about? Like, did he just see us and not care? Like, oh, these guys have cameras, so we're not going to bother with them? Like, what's the deal? Right? Um, we fully expected a, 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 an encounter with the, with the NOPD. We didn't get one. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, you know, I was preparing my best tourist teacher mentality, you know, play dumb. Oh, we didn't know. Right? But he drives right on past us and goes back around to the front of the complex. So, you know, we continue doing what we're doing. 
Five minutes later, all right, that black Escalade that we mentioned earlier comes around the same corner, the same back corner. Uh, the cop must have gotten a call. You know, the best we could think was he got a call from somebody seeing us walk, you know, into the fence. Maybe one of the locals saw and called it in. And, uh, you know, the cops showed up, did a loop, and then reported us back to the security guard. Well, assuming he must have been security, the guy in the black Escalade was security, right? Uh, this time around, uh, somebody gets out of the car. It's this big, tall, powerfully built black dude. All right, gets out and very politely, very politely asks us that we know we're not supposed to be there. Uh, and of course, we're very polite in return and tell him you know, we only wanted some outside shots, which was total bullshit. And he doesn't know that, so you know, no harm done. But uh, we told him, look, we'll, we'll get out of here. We don't want to cause any trouble. We, we're from out of town. We just thought we'd get some shots. We didn't know we weren't allowed to be in here. We'll leave. So. Uh, he walks us out. He, well, he doesn't walk us out, but he tells us, look, you guys got to walk down this way and out the front gate. So we start walking uh, down one of these canyons, and I'm sitting there going, God damn, I wish I could use my camera right now. Because it's just, it's breathtaking. The, the, to a photographer, to an urban explorer, this is like, the architecture is amazing. And I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. I wanted to take photos so bad, but I'm not going not gonna to test this guy. He's being nice by letting us leave without any problems or any questions or anything like that. Um, I assume that because we weren't inside the building, he didn't see us coming out, and we didn't give him any shit, he's going to ask us just to walk away, uh, and, and we weren't about to to question that. We weren't about to, to, to give him any shit in return. So, uh, you know, cursing our luck as we walk past all these glorious skyways and the parking deck and all that, we, we kind of figured, you know, we've missed our opportunity. We should have gotten inside the building quickly where we couldn't be seen. Uh, so we figured it was a done deal. We figured, you know, we're not coming back to this. You know, we're not going to be coming back to this building at all. We got some outside shots, and that's all we're going to get, right? Um, we assume this security guy was working for the city, you know, for a special deal. He's not your usual security type. You know, I mean, for, for crying out loud, his girlfriend showed up with food for him. She was hanging out. He had a couple friends hanging out. I don't think they were the usual security crew, but he's probably doing them a solid for, you know, under the table maybe. Who knows? Um, did not have the usual security vibe or the vehicle to go with it. So I, I don't know. Usually you have your, your white truck with a little bubble on top with a little security, you know, something like that. This guy had none of that. So um, I suppose that fits, though. If you're going to try to get legit, you know, to legit catch people, maybe put someone there who people wouldn't expect as security, and it worked. All right. So we find ourselves back out on Poland Avenue, you know, where this place is at, and we head back to the car. Um, just pissed at ourselves like man we should have planned that out better and this is the first time we've really ever gotten like wasteland explorer and i've been out many times and this is the first time we've ever really gotten nabbed or told to leave by anybody so this is kind of a first for us uh one of <laughs> the first the first for that weekend for sure because it was going to happen again but anyway um i don't know what's going on outside someone has a motorcycle outside revving it up if you hear that i'm sorry i don't know what's going on out there no, I'm sorry about that, guys. I had to go close the door downstairs. Our, our neighbor across the street likes to show off his truck and was revving it up. I don't know why. So anyway, where was I at? Back to the story here. All right. Uh, so we, we figured this place was not going to get hit this week. Right? We're, we're done. We're not going back. This guy knows who we are. The cops have seen us. Probably shouldn't be going back. We get caught again. We're, we're risking issues in a city far, far from home. It's one thing if you get busted in Detroit or Cleveland, you can kind of talk yourself out of it. Uh, not really knowing if that's the case in New Orleans. So we, we decided to just go, okay, we're going to get our outside shots. You know, we settled for that. So we sat there watching the place for a little while, you know, it's kind of pissed off. And, uh, you know, we're cooling off with some, some ice cold Mountain Dews from out of the ice cooler. And we kept our eyes out to see if we could see any homeless people getting into the building. You know, where, how are they doing this? Uh, and, and eventually we were rewarded, right? 
coming down the street was a homeless guy. He had probably gotten supplies or food. He's just kind of bopping along. And uh, we see him walk into a, a fence section behind what used to be the, the, the sign, the big sign that, that, that told you, you know, this is the Navy base. Uh, he just kind of moved, moved the fence aside behind this, this sign and walked right in. And uh, there's this big overhang in the front. I, I, don't, I can't call it a porch, but it's like this long walkway with an overhang that led to the, the front doors of this, this main building. Right, and he walked right up to that and slipped right in. So we knew there was a way in uh, without being seen. You know, we figured, well, we'll see what happens this week. Maybe we'll come back. All right, maybe we'll come back. It's a hop, skip, and jump from the old walkway that ran the front of the building. You know, the sidewalk. You know, maybe we can we can we can get in. Um, and nobody seemed to notice this guy walking in. You know, nobody came, nobody showed up. He just walked in. Um, no concern whatsoever. So we, we weren't going to make a move just then, but we, 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 we kind of had a plan take shape. We're like, all right, well, we'll see what happens for the rest of the couple of days we're here. Uh, so off we went to go see some other locations, you know, debating on whether we'd try it again. You know, we come back, see if Escalade guy was still there. Um, you know, we didn't want to run into this guy. Now, two days later, on our final day of exploring, uh, first thing in the morning, sun's coming up. You know, it's overcast. It had rained the night before. Uh, the humidity was way up. Um, there's kind of this overcast, misty feeling, you know, kind of shrouding the city, shrouding the, you know, the Mississippi River. We decided to make the call. We came back. We parked down the street from, from the Navy base, right, followed the route we'd seen this homeless guy entering through before. And in no time, we find ourselves inside the Navy base. Finally, we've gotten in. Uh, it was quick and painless. Uh, now, the ground floor was as dank and as wet as you would expect from a massive concrete factory-style building. Everything was soaked. And just you, and, and if, if you explore, you know that smell, that industrial, wet, abandoned smell. You know what I'm talking about. Um, it just was, you know, pungent, all right? Um, now, we knew from the get-go we'd have to be on high alert for people inside the building. Uh, we'd heard lots of stories from locals. Uh, about people being threatened and some people even chased out by homeless and some of the junkies that were living there, um, like like violently chased out. So we were on our toes, two, two of us against who knows what. We didn't know, you know, what we were up against. Um, so we, we ascended to the top as fast as we could. We, 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 we found ourselves, as we were climbing the stairwell in this first big building, this big, it was the office, one of the office buildings, um, we heard a lot of movement. Um, outside of the stairwell we were in. We're like, you know what, we're gonna, let's go to the middle building where it's open. So we found our way up up the stairwell into one of these skyways. It led to one of the skyways that leads to the middle building. So we went over to this middle building and we spent a lot of time in that building because A, you could see everything around you. Nobody could sneak up on you. And uh, in addition, this is where all of the graffiti was, the amazing graffiti. So we we went up there and uh, explored all six floors of, of, of that part of the building. Um, the office building, we'll get back to the office building later, but it, these office buildings were like mazes, like massive mazes. Hallways had been blocked off, piles of, of old furniture in, in various degrees of, of decay or breakdown, uh, you know, office desks tipped on their sides. Just it, it was very hard to traverse the hallways. Uh, it probably all made nice, clean sense when it was open, but it, it felt like a labyrinth, like this dark, dim labyrinth with a little bit of light from some of the windows coming through at places. It was very iffy. It was very sketchy because you didn't know where anybody could be hiding anywhere, right? You're walking through this labyrinth of torn up offices and, you know, you're hearing noises all over the place. Some of it could be the building. Some of it could be someone shuffling around. We didn't know. 
Uh, there's little cubicle parts everywhere. All kinds of large, large objects have been piled up in strange places. Uh, sections had been, been, been set on fire at one point. Uh, and there was still some pretty fresh smell of not good things burning in parts of the building. It was very, just, ugh, it was, it was, it was a labyrinth, all right? Um, you could get lost if you weren't knowing where you were going. If you were looking for a stairwell to get out of trouble, you would have had a hard time because you wouldn't have known where to go. You've got very disoriented in, the, in these office buildings. Um, the only place where you could really see is in the outer, the outer rooms where the windows were at. Everything in the center part was very just all over the place. So we, we didn't do a lot of exploring in there. They were, there was mostly the same thing floor to floor. But this, this of course, is where the, um, where the homeless people were living in these sections where it was dark and you couldn't be seen and you, know, you could hide in different areas and, and set up your own little camp. Uh, they weren't in the middle building that we went to. Um, so we started in the middle structure, okay? And again, it's this big, huge Albert Kahn style, you know, what we're used to seeing, you know, we're used to these buildings. Um, and, uh, you know, with the fluted concrete columns, you know, wide windows running the whole length, elevator shafts in the middle of the floor. Uh, you know, we, we stayed there, uh, and, and it was amazing. You could get all kinds of cool shots through the canyons, like looking down on the canyons from there. Um, the skyways were all there. Uh, and, and, and the graffiti pieces, holy shit, graffiti galore awaited us here, all right? It was some of the best pieces that, that New Orleans had to offer. Um, just amazing pieces. I, I'm hoping to get some of this stuff published at some point and show you guys, you know, what, what, we, were, what we were seeing. It was just, wow. Like, you're used to some good stuff up north. We have some good artists up here, um, especially like Chicago, Detroit, uh, some, some good, some good uh, urban artists, but... Holy shit, they got nothing on New Orleans. New Orleans is nuts. <laughs> the artists down there are insanely talented. Um, so we, we got a lot of footage there. Uh, we were also able to get into the parking garage ramps, which connected to each floor, kind of spiral. There's like a spiraling uh, driveway that went up and connected to each each section of this, this building. And you can still see the old parking uh, spaces, the old paint on the floor up there. All right, um... I, I could have spent days just photographing the architecture of these, this section. It was so cool. Um, just all the spirals and the, and the lines and everything. Um, now, here's where things get sketchy. All right, Looking down into these canyons between the three buildings, there's this horrible, eerie sense of being watched. And, and if you explore, you know that feeling. You know when somebody has their eyes on you. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a, just a, a, a human thing that we all have. You just know when someone sees you and you can't see them. You're looking everywhere, but you, can't, you know you're being watched. And in this, in this place, uh, even just looking out the window of, it, 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 at the other buildings on the other side of the canyon, you knew they were looking out up at you. They knew we were there. And they were making noises. You know, uh, We were hearing banging noises and all kinds of things uh, as we looked down. We could hear the movement everywhere. Mostly on the second floor of the office sections. You could hear them moving around. And occasionally you'd think you'd see something out of the corner of your eye, but by the time you focused, you, it, it was gone. Um, we couldn't see who or what was making any of these. You couldn't see them. Banging noises, shuffling noises. Uh, sometimes you hear muttering. And the most pants-shitting, terrifying thing ever is when you hear the occasional scream. Like just blood-curdling, just a weird, like just like a crazy person screaming or a shout um, out of nowhere. And it's it's... Just no words, just inarticulate screaming, you know, and it just your blood just turns cold when you hear that. Like, what the hell's going on down there? Um, 
you know, and add to that, you had you had all the the, the building itself, the scrapped pieces where you know the, the breeze was banging stuff against uh, different surfaces. You had these old Venetian blinds that were kind of banging against the side of the building because the windows had broken, so the, the the blinds were all blowing around in the wind. Um, and the acoustics of of this canyon made everything worse. It just amplified everything. All right, it was enough to set every single nerve you had on edge, and you you just you felt watched. Like your your monkey reptilian brain, you you knew that they knew you were there, and they were warily watching. They they didn't know who you were, they didn't know if you were a threat, they didn't know if you were you know someone they should be wary of. They didn't know you you didn't know if they thought you were prey. Like we, we we can we can attack these guys and get their stuff. Like who knows, right? Some of them may well have been tracking us because as we walked past open windows, you know, you, you just kind of, you would, you would hear movement. Like, were they tracking us? Were they following us? Were they watching us? You know, how many of them? We don't know. Um, so we took our good old time inside the central building, you know, the open central building. Uh, it, we really kind of probably went too long. Because we, we, we knew that once we go into that side of the building, we're going to have to deal with possible issues. Um, you know, and of course, the murals and graffiti kept us busy for a long time. We were there subconsciously trying to stretch that time out. You know, knowing soon we'd be diving into that into that maze. Uh, we'd, we'd have to be on our utmost guard. The adrenaline level would kick up, right? Um, eventually, though, we 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 crossed over the Skyway bridges and uh, into these dark, mazy buildings. We went. All right, some of these buildings, I, I I have to say, I've been in a lot of buildings, but these buildings were perhaps the darkest, dingiest, and most disorienting places I've ever been. Um, you know, never before have I felt like I had to be on my toes completely, 120%. Like the whole way, we were on lookout, shining a light into every single doorway, every single crevice, every single room. Uh, we would even go back as far as to shine our lights behind us and look every couple of seconds, you know, just to make sure we weren't being followed. Um, you know, cause who knows a junkie with a crowbar could be waiting for us with intent to steal our gear, you know, behind any corner, <laughs> uh, could be just some disgruntled homeless person who wanted us out of their home. You don't know. Um, now here's where it gets really crazy. At one stretch, we found ourselves in what used to be a section of offices, you know, down this hallway. Uh, we heard rummaging and shuffling in the room down the hall where we had just passed through coming closer to us. Someone was following us. We would stop. And they would go quiet, right? We would listen. They would stop. We would start walking again, and we'd hear them shuffling. So they were following us. They were following us, trying to see where we were going. Uh, you know, we've been in this situation before. I, I've told the story about what happened to us in a, in a school in Flint. Uh, same situation where they would, they would, they would, they would go completely cold when you would would stop and listen. When you would go silent, they would go silent. Um, so at that point, we knew we had to get off that floor. Uh, this is not some place, you know, we, 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 we weren't going to take any chances. We got to get rid of this person, whoever they are. So we went looking for the nearest possible stairwell and it took us a while. We, we, you know, we're walking as slowly and as quietly and as stealthily as we can through all of this garbage. Like there's no way to stay quiet in this place. There's no open floor where you can tiptoe. You're, you're running on glass and busted metal and busted furniture pieces and just everything is there. So there's no way to do it quietly. Um, you know, it's hard to do. <laughs> but eventually, we found our way uh, into the complex, you know, further. Um, we could hear this guy following us. And luckily, we were able to find a stairwell. And we headed up to a clearer area where we wouldn't get surprised. Um, and whoever this guy was, or girl, uh, did not follow us. So they didn't come up after us. We, we were able to duck that. Um, we took a little bit more look at the area before we decided to pack it up and leave. 
One of my favorite places was at the far end of the complex. There was this massive loading ramp that kind of came off the building, off the center building, and it connected to the ground floor. It was like a switchback ramp, if you know what I'm talking about. Like it started the ground, it kind of go up and then up again, and you did a switchback. All right, and it, it connected it, basically for a tow motor, I would, I would assume, to go up and down this ramp. And at the very end, facing the river, was a section that kind of went up. And what, what the section was for was for loading boats. You know, Navy boats, you know, high up out of the water. Um, these tow motors would take cargo and stuff and, and up this ramp and load the boats. Now, of course, that had all been sealed up, but we managed to find our way through it. Um, and the ramp was huge. It was kind of a cool place. And the only way to get into this ramp, because it had been completely shut off from the building, was through a small hole that someone had cut in the metal gate that had been welded across the door. Right? The door that connected the office building to the ramp had a, a, a metal gate across it. Someone had snipped or cut a, a hole that a, a small person could get through easily. All right, My partner, of course, stealthily squirms his way through uh, with no problem. And then, then comes my graceless ass. <laughs> I'm a big dude, so nothing happens gracefully. Um, I'm like, you know, going backwards through this thing, and I managed to cut myself real good on my hand when I scraped up against some piece of chunk, you know, chunk of rusted metal in this little section. So I, I, I get out, I come through this, this, this little hole, and I'm like, yes, and I look at my hand, and there's blood running down my arm, of course. All right, it would not be an adventure if I didn't get injured at some point or have blood on me at some point or bruises or scratches or something. All right. Um, all in a day's work, right? But, you know, this, at this point, we've been there for four hours. We decided we'd had our fill of the Navy base. We've seen as much as we possibly can, uh, and we walked our way down through these warrens of passages and dank, wet basement levels until we were finally back out on the street at the car. Um, no other encounters on the way out, thankfully, um, as well as hundreds of shots on our SD cards. So, you know, whatever the case was with my flesh wound, it was a success on all counts. We celebrated with yet another Mountain Dew, and off we went to the next to the next location. So, uh, that Navy base was was I'll tell you, I was I, my ass was clenched the entire time because you didn't know who was there. You know, it's very very unnerving when it's just two of you and you know there's a whole colony of people living there and you don't know where they're at. Um, very unnerving, but. Anyway, speaking of unnerving, you know, later on, uh, the, the day after that, or I'm sorry, the, the, the second, or second day into our, into our adventures, we decided to go take a look at another location that had seen better times, especially post-Katrina, or pre-Katrina, I should say, Hurricane Katrina. Um, I always love a good hospital, uh, and even though the one we decided to check out was relatively blown out, uh, it had some surprises for us, both good and not so good. Uh, we wanted to hit Charity Hospital, which was this massive just gigantic hospital in, in downtown New Orleans that had been abandoned during Hurricane Katrina. Um, just a mess, but they're finally renovating it, so there's fences and security, and we couldn't get into charity. But we decided to go and check out another hospital that had been on our list, um, this massive medical complex. Uh, we decided to head out there uh, and, and check it out. And uh, the place, uh, maybe you're familiar, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but the place was called the Lindy Boggs Medical Center. Uh, it was a former hospital. Uh, formerly known as Mercy Hospital. Uh, it was a 187-bed acute care hospital located somewhere in the mid-city of New Orleans. All right, um, They provided all kinds of different services. They had emergency care, critical care, organ transplant. It, it, was, it was a full-fledged hospital. Uh, the original hospital was founded in the 1920s, so the structure we were, we were going to find ourselves in was at least 100 years old. Um, 
And then later on uh, in the 90s, this, this old Mercy Hospital merged with another hospital and it became Mercy Baptist. And they renamed the whole thing to Lindy Boggs Medical Center in, in honor of the congresswoman uh, and, and Ambassador Lindy Boggs. Um, I'm not sure really who Lindy Boggs is, but she must be a pretty famous person down in New Orleans because they named a whole hospital after her. Um, she was the first woman in Louisiana to be elected to the House of Representatives, which is a pretty big deal, worthy of a hospital. All right. Now, uh, Lindy Boggs, you know, when, when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, August 29th, 2005, um, the hospital was at full capacity, right? I mean, it was a, it was a living, working hospital. Um, you know, being in New Orleans, there's lots of stuff going on, lots of people coming in and out of that place. Um, uh, the flood walls broke, right, and the water started flooding in, and many of the employees and patients' families decided to take shelter in the hospital, thinking they'd be safer there, right, more comfortable. Um, when the levee system failed, right, uh, they found themselves trapped there, and there was no way out. They were completely surrounded by water. You know, we're talking 12 feet of water all over the city. So the ground floor is pretty much underwater, and, uh, you know, you couldn't... <laughs> You know, there was no phone service. All the all the power was out. Uh, no one to ask for help. No TV. No radio. Everything was pretty much down. Uh, and 19 people died on that first day. Uh, luckily, they had generators, emergency generators, uh, for 48 hours. They had emergency generators uh, to keep things going. But you know, the hospital had a ton of problems that day, as you can imagine, right? They had no running water, uh, no way to dispose of waste, uh, low food storage, and and the water had had just brought in this horrible, muddy, disgusting, decaying smell. You know, the ground, the, the bottom floors were full of this, this, this flood water from the hurricane. Um, anybody who'd been recovering from any kind of organ transplants or any kind of procedures, uh, they did not have the medicines they needed to give to most of these people. They would, you know, they'd normally get supplies of this medication and it wasn't coming in. So uh, without vital services, you didn't have, you know, mechanical ventilation. You didn't have cardiac monitoring. You know, there was no blood for transfusions. All they had was some morphine, which, you know, that's only going to go so far. So 48 hours after Katrina, um, the AC goes out, you know, everything goes out and the temperatures went up to as high as 105 degrees inside the hospital. So imagine you're already suffering from whatever you're suffering for. You're in your room. Uh, it's 105 degrees in there. There's no air conditioning. There's no anything. There's no power. There's no lights. There's nothing, right? You have candles, maybe. All right. Um, you know, the intensive care unit may as well not even existed at that point. Uh, you had you had staff using hand pumps to blow oxygen into people's lungs, right? Now, thankfully, a major evacuation took took part. Um, they were able to get a lot of people out through through the um, the uh, helicopters, that kind of thing. Um, staff workers were able to get a lot of people out. Unfortunately, by the time it was all done, forty five people were dead. Forty five people died in uh, you know in, in in Lindy Boggs after Katrina. So after it was all said and done, they closed the facility. It was too far gone. They didn't have any money to repair it all. Uh, and since then, Mid-City New Orleans has been without a, a hospital in, in the center of everything. Um, no emergency department after that. So that's how badly it got hit. Uh, of course, after the storm, there were all kinds of plans for a renovation and, and retail development, but nothing ever came forward. All right. Um, in, in 2010, uh, somebody else bought it. A group called uh, St. Margaret's Daughters bought it, and they renovated part of it. They renovated some of it. Uh, and with hopes to renovate the rest of it, but a lot of it was left uh, empty. So they had all kinds of plans for it. Now, again, worker crews did come in and remove asbestos, you know, in, in, in hopes of getting this place ready for renovation. They removed a lot of asbestos. They took a lot of underground storage tanks out. Uh, the EPA and uh, Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality came in and um, got a lot of stuff out of there. So the building itself had a lot of stuff scrapped out of it, taken out of it professionally. Um, 
a lot of cleanup had happened there. Um, you know, they pumped all the stagnant water out of the basement. There had been there had been there had been water sitting there since Katrina. So like you know, this was this started in 2017 when they started cleaning it up. So that's you know how many years of that? That's 12 years of, of stagnant water in the basement. Imagine how nasty that was. I can't even imagine. We did not go in the basement, by the way, because it was just disgusting. It was we would have had to have masks like we didn't have to go down there. Now, there's no plan for the hospital to to, to, to be fixed up at this point. Um, you know, they, everybody's got some idea what to do with it, but nobody's stepping forward to do it. And and by the time we got there, that's kind of where things were at in limbo. You know, we drove up to the place, and it was instantly recognizable as abandoned. You know, there were there were all the windows were busted out. Um, you know, boarded everything was boarded up. Um, you know, fence pieces missing. You know, it, it it had that typical abandoned look that you know. All right. Um, if the Navy base was the capital center for the homeless of New Orleans, I'm gonna tell you right now, Lindy Boggs might as well have been one of the up and coming suburbs. Okay, we find ourselves again on our toes as we went into this 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 dark and gutted hospital. All right, all the hallways were dim. Uh, you had a little bit of light coming in. You know, if you've ever seen one of those long hallways, we have like like intermittent light coming through. It was just it was very shadowy and dark. Um, and we could again, we could hear people. We could hear people moving around. You knew people were there. You didn't know what their intentions were. You didn't know where they were at. You just knew they were moving. Um, the hospital itself reminded me of Southwest Detroit Hospital. Um, if you've ever been in that hospital, it's this big, massive hospital right over by the, the train station in, in Detroit uh, that Ford's working on right now, Michigan Station. Huge old hospital that they completely gutted out with the hopes of doing something with it. So they took everything out of it that would have made it look like a hospital. Kind of the same way with Lindy Boggs. They had removed tons of stuff, leaving all these open spaces. Right? It may as well have been an industrial building for all the, you know, for all the columns and the sheer volume uh, where normally you'd find everything would have been filled with walls and, and, and sections and operating rooms and lobbies and test centers. You know, anything you'd find in a normal facility was completely gutted out. So you had this huge open space, you know, and uh, you could tell that plans had been laid, but nothing had happened. All right. Now, the bonus to everybody uh, in our shoes was that these gutted sections would, allowed plenty of room for urban artists to come in. So we saw, again, tons of pieces painted in these big open areas. It was kind of cool. I got like a, like a personal gallery. They had their own gallery there. All right. Um, now, the true surprise for us when we, when we walked down one of these long, shadowy hallways, all right, uh, you know, dark we didn't know kind of what we, we didn't know where we were going we had no clue we we're just walking and seeing what we could find we come out into the special section what would have been one of the newer sections of the of the hospital um a giant lecture hall okay an auditorium at one point you had seats in it and had a big stage a little stage probably for presentations hospital presentations staff presentations i don't know staff training who knows huge you know auditorium um and there were windows in the auditorium on on, on the sides which let light in natural light and uh the light in there was beautiful. You had the trees outside, the green trees, so everything was just lit up beautifully in there. Um, all the chairs had been removed, um, but the urban artists had claimed it and made it their personal territory. Now, coming out of the hallway, you came into this large space that had been painted almost completely blue, like a cobalt dark blue. Like they had painted the whole um, auditorium this blue color, this, this rich shade of blue. 
Uh, and above the low concrete stage where the presentation would have been, like as you come out of the hallway, you're facing where the presentations would have been. All right, somebody had created the, one of the coolest art pieces I've ever seen, especially for me, since the subject matter was Greek mythology. All right, with a, with a unique, interesting New Orleans twist to it. Um, the piece itself showed the Queen of Sparta, Helen, the Queen of Sparta, uh, fresh off her ordeal of being kidnapped by Paris of Troy. All right, if you've, ever, if you've never read the Iliad, all right, that's the story of the Iliad, right, Trojan War, um, the Queen of Sparta, right, hanging in the air in various anguished poses, I, I, covered in what I assumed was blood. There was red involved. Uh, like there were like three different uh, of her in different different positions, like in agony. I don't know. I don't know. That's what we saw. All right. And how did I know she was Helen of Troy? Well, a narrative had been written on the wall. Um, I'm hoping I can post a picture. Actually, I've posted a picture of this on Mr. P Explorers. If you go back maybe a week or so, a week or two, you'll see the blue room. Um, you'll see the piece I'm talking about. But they had written this narrative uh, that explained what they had, had painted. So I'll read it off to you guys. This, this was the actual narrative that was on the wall. It said, Helen of Troy fled to Rhodes after the war, where she was captured at the temple of Aphrodite, where priests mistook her for the goddess herself. The priests sacrificed her to themselves, along with every virgin on the island, in the hopes of becoming gods. But Aphrodite, alive and well, and insulted by the notion that she could be mistaken for a mere mortal, dragged the priests down to Hades himself, to the river Styx, and drowned them so that they would be forgotten forever, save for their names. The names she swallowed. So that in their utterance, uh, their, so that their utterance could only be heard when a goddess took a shit. <laughs> that was that was the story. Now it was very serious up until the very end, which is why I say it kind of had a little New Orleans twist on it, um, little little tongue in cheek joking at the end there. But it, it sounded very serious until the very end, right? Um, but that's it was this really cool piece, and uh, I, I can't explain it. It's something that needs to be seen. So if you go to Mr. P Explorers and you check it out a couple weeks back, you'll see the blue room. You'll see what I'm talking about. That's the room I'm talking about. Um, definitely not what I expected to see in this annihilated old hospital. Um, off to the sides of this auditorium were these bright and airy rooms, which I assume were, were other classrooms, maybe. Uh, off to the sides of the auditorium. And, and there was just artwork unlike anything I've ever seen. So bizarre and colorful and interesting. Like, everyone was more interesting than the last. There was some crazy... I, I don't know, maybe they were on some substances when they did this, but it was just some crazy stuff. Like, like brilliant work, all right? Uh, we spent at least an hour in that area. And as anybody knows, you know, time loses its meaning when you're, when you're documenting a spot like that. You just get involved, and it was worth it, <laughs> okay? Um, so after that, we ascended up in what, what used to be one of the endless hallways of more patient rooms. Gloomy, completely ransacked. Um, again, you wouldn't know it was a hospital, you know, if you hadn't known that ahead of time. Uh, just, it, was, it could have been anything, all right? Um, this is where we started running into people, all right? Somewhere above us, in the floor above us, we began to hear rhythmic banging on the floor above us. Someone was banging on metal above us. And we stopped, and right underneath where this banging was, we could hear somebody walking up above. Now, these are concrete floors, so we heard somebody jumping around and, and walking around up, up above, you know, inside one of the rooms off to the side of the hall. We could hear them upstairs. Uh, we didn't know who this person was. You know, in most cases, that banging is usually a warning. <laughs> Homeless people know you're there. They're, they're, they're warning you off, like, back off, go away. Uh, it's a, it's, or it's a message to other people in the building that there's an intruder who isn't known and doesn't belong there. This seemed a little bit different. I don't think this person knew we were there. 
we'll never know for sure. Uh, we weren't making a ton of noise as we walked through here, so uh, you know, other than the, the, the hushed, whispering conversation volume we, we had going on, this person, I can't imagine, could hear us. Uh, you know, we're walking softly and, and not kicking anything, although you know, the debris on the floor we did not kick. You know, we, we tried to keep it quiet. Um, now, a few minutes later, as we were taking some roof shots out of a side window in this corridor, like there's a there's a room off to the side. You could see the other wing of the building on the other side of the, the, the window. We were taking pictures out of that. And that's when Wasteland Explorer sounds a silent visual alarm. He, Someone was on our floor. He thought he saw somebody at the end of the Hall of the Shadow walking past. Someone was on our floor shuffling around, walking in and out of rooms, and was slowly coming our way. All right, now that close, whoever that was had to have heard us, had to have known we were there, and was possibly moving in to see who we were. So we ducked back into this, this dark closet in that room we were in and just went silent. You know, we, we were out of direct eyesight of the hallway. Um, we were going to wait it out. We'll see what happens. We collapsed our tripods in case we needed something to you know swing, swing with, all right, in case things got rowdy. All right? So we used this sort of thing. You know, we're used to this sort of thing. This happens. You know, it happens uh, a lot, but it never happens on the frequency that we encountered it in New Orleans. Um, you know, so you didn't know what you were up against. Now, we, we went into silent mode and waited, just listening, quiet, not moving. We didn't move an inch. And whoever it was shuffled past our room. We heard him out in the hallway. You know, no noises, no breathing, just shuffling. Paused briefly as if they were trying, you know, staring into that room to see if we were there and spook us out. And then slowly continued on, shuffling along, you know, stopping every once in a while. All right. I, I don't know if they were looking for us, but we weren't going to give them the opportunity. <laughs> so we kept quiet and we stayed there for a good 10 minutes, listening for any kind of movement. Uh, and eventually we assumed whoever it was had moved on and we went about our business. All right. Um, on a lower level, as we were exploring a different section of the hospital, we ran into another character who surprised the living shit out of me as he came down a set of stairs. All right, we were in this open area, uh, what, what must have been like a lobby area, this kind of situation, um, you know, big lit up area, and a stairwell going up. I, I assume it was like a waiting area, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe there was a, just an open area connecting two different parts of the, of, of the hospital. I don't know. Anyway, there were a lot of pieces on the walls. We were, we, were, you know, we were capturing those. And out of nowhere, this guy comes walking down the steps. Big black dude comes walking down the steps. All right, he's got a headlamp on. All right, sees me there. Just kind of looks at me, sees my camera, nods at me, walks away, walks on down the hall. Uh, the guy had a big bag full of metal pieces, so I, I, right then I knew this guy was a scrapper. I don't know if that was the guy that was upstairs. I don't know if that was the guy that was banging on stuff. Possibly. He was obviously scrapping. He had a bunch of different metal pieces, parts in his bag, um, in his basket that he had. Um, this is kind of that, that, that trespasser's code, right? He nods, I nod, and we both go our separate directions. All right, no words were said, right? And off he went. Um, continuing on, we met our last inhabitant as we explored uh, this, this gutted, soaking wet area that once was the emergency intake area of the hospital, all right? Um, the, the ramp where ambulances would have come up off the street and pulled up to the hospital was right outside, these, these blasted side, you know, those sliding doors you see at hospitals, right? Um, you, you would have pulled, you'd come up this ramp, it was like a spiral ramp that came up, and there was another ramp that went down below in, into the hospital, but you could see all of that. Uh, and, and this was the area that during Katrina had been flooded out. Like you, could, you can find pictures online of this section completely underwater um, and, and, into the, and into the lobby where we were at. Um, you know, this wet, dank, just nasty area. You can tell at one point had been, you know, 
where patients had come in. Probably, probably the emergency room, where we're assuming. This is probably where emergency was. Um, you could still see the asbestos tiles on the floor that, that made up the lobby floors. You know, there were these giant gouges in the floor where the intake desks used to be. Uh, lots of stuff had been ripped out and scrapped out. Um, and it, it just Everything was wet. I don't know if it was... St- I can't imagine it's still old Katrina water, but uh, maybe from the rain or the elements. It was just, everything was soaked. Um, just, and what was left was rusting. Just, just nasty. You know, I've seen a lot of rusting, nasty, moldy industrial factory basements, and this felt like that. All right. Now, as as we were exploring this area, our last inhabitant just kind of soundlessly wandered in out of nowhere, as they often do. All right, looking like some kind of disheveled mirage, comes wheeling his bicycle in with him. All right, and we'd seen this bike standing up uh, on the other side of the building, you know, on the other side of the complex in one of the entrances. This bike had just been leaning up against a wall. Um, so we assumed it belonged to one of the homeless people there. Uh, this guy just comes sauntering in with his with his bike and sees us, uh, you know. And what what are you gonna do? We said hello to him, all right. And he he responded in kind, though it wasn't like a cheerful hello. It was like I don't know, you know, whatever, right? You could tell he wasn't happy that we were there, but he sized us up and realized that that we weren't the trouble to mess with. We're probably not somebody he wants to mess with. So he just took his bike, wheeled it out the old emergency doors and and down the spiral concrete ramp and out into the streets and who knows where he went from there. But that was, that was our third encounter with somebody in that building. Um, you know, all, all pretty chill except for the guy in the hallway or whoever it was. We did see a girl. We saw a lone girl and I don't know if she was an explorer. I don't know what she was doing there, but you know, we saw her, it was in this, it was nearby to this area too. We saw her and she saw us and, and, and Wasteland Explorer waved and said, hello. And she just kind of took off and like, I, I I, I guess seeing two guys, unknown guys, and she, from what I could tell, she was by herself. I don't know that this is a place you'd want to be by yourself, male or female, with equipment or cameras or just in general, because you don't know what might happen. It's that kind of place, right? Uh, last but not least, uh, as we as we were finishing up our tour of Lindy Boggs, we found ourselves on the very upper levels of the hospital where there was still an area that looked like an actual hospital unit. Couldn't tell exactly what the specialty had been, um, but you had recognizable nurses' stations, you know, area where the medicine would have been kept, you know, medicine cabinets, uh, alcoves that we assume would have been occupied by patients. You know, if you walk into the, uh, you know, those areas where they have the, the curtains where you, you wait for the doctor, right? They pull the curtain around you and you sit there in your little bed with the little chair there for the person that's with you, you know, kind of a waiting area before you get treated. Um, I don't know exactly what, what the deal was. Machinery was pretty much all gone. There were still some chunks and pieces, parts, but I couldn't tell what any of that was being used for. Um, who knows? Could have been anything from natal to who knows? Um, oncology? I Who, who knows? Uh, now, jumping out of the roof, we got an amazing view of downtown New Orleans. Um, and sometimes, as you know, the best pieces are on the roof. We got some amazing shots from some of the pieces that, that were done up on the roof. Um, and we just kind of sat there for a while and soaked it all up. It was, a, it was an amazing, uh, some amazing outside shots, you know, of, of the hospital, of the different wings and the different sections we had been in. We got some really cool shots up there. Um, but after a while, we decided, okay, we've had enough. Uh, and we packed it in and uh, took it back downstairs and uh, didn't see anybody on the way out and uh, headed back to the car. But, uh, you know, as we were heading out, the one thing that really hit me about Lindy Boggs Though it was completely obliterated, it was far better off than we, we thought it might be. We thought, oh, it's going to be a shit pile. It's going to be, we'll be in and out. It's not that great, you know. But as always, you never know until you go in and look. Um, 
You know, it had lots of long hallways to shoot, which is a favorite of mine. I love a good long hallway, right? Secret areas that had been beautified by graffiti artists, right? As we mentioned, um, several sections where there was still some semblance of hospital life left behind. Uh, some cool architecture from section to section. Um, even though we met up with some of the inhabitants, you know, we again returned to the car for yet another celebratory cold Mountain Dew, right? Um, and, and possibly a hit of a fireball, all right, maybe, uh, as to celebrate, all right? Uh, what was on my mind the whole time we were exploring this place, though, was what these patients went through, right? The doctors, the nurses, the families, you know, what they went through as they were trapped on the upper floors of this place, right? In, 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 in August 2005, you know, when the floodwaters were pouring in and all hell was breaking loose and, and civilization was being erased, right? You're basically going back to the Stone Age, no electricity, right? Just horrible. Uh, you couldn't leave. Uh, you couldn't evacuate. You were stuck. You were marooned in this massive structure that was dedicated to healing. But the reverse began happening. You couldn't save everybody. You, what normally would have been okay, you know, just a normal night around, became a nightmare, right? Um, you know, imagine the terror when the power finally went out. When it finally failed, you know, 48 hours later, and the floodwaters haven't receded yet, and nobody's come to rescue you. There's people dying all around you from the intense heat, you know, dehydration. Uh, there's no clean water. Uh, they try to have, probably had to try to boil some water. I don't know. This humidity, uh, you know, the ventilators have died. Uh, blood runs out from transfusion. You know, doctors and nurses are frantically putting their own families aside, trying to keep these patients alive, you know, as the clock's winding down. Right, supplies running out. You know, the trappings of normal civilization were completely stripped away. You know, and if that's not the most damn heroic thing you've ever heard of, I, I don't know what is. Like that's like thinking about that on the way out. These people went through a living hell that most of us will never experience. You know, living up in the north, we've got our own issues and situations that might occur. But down there, man, a hurricane flooding an entire city that really drove it home. You know, that these people were were trapped in this place. You know, and, and not that long, only twenty years ago. So. Uh, it was. A, it, it really hit me hard as we left. I'm like, this place. This this place saw some serious craziness. Like that's a, that's a movie unto itself. You can do a whole movie on on you know what happened at Lindy Boggs during during evacuation. But anyway, so I, as always, I'm sure I've gone way too far over. But uh, those were two of our more sketchy situations. Uh, I still have some more stories to tell about New Orleans. Uh, I'm saving the best for last for next week. Um, we'll have our third, our third section, our third, our third trip down, down memory lane of what happened in that adventure coming at you guys next week, and it may have to do with a certain infamous abandoned theme park, perhaps, perhaps. All right, so uh, you know, stick around and check that out uh, next week. That is the plan. So uh, I am going to go prepare. I am heading out to Buffalo tomorrow to meet up with some folks and do some more exploring out there. Right tomorrow, so I'm going to go. Uh, Start prepping for that and uh, make myself some dinner. All right. So uh, whatever you guys are doing this weekend, I hope it's enjoyable. Uh, if you're out exploring, please stay safe. Get some great shots. Um, as always, I love seeing what you guys are doing out there. There's some, some amazing work com coming from you guys out there. Keep it coming. Um, if you're hanging out with your families, enjoy. Spend some time with them. Uh, whatever you wind up doing, if it's Easter dinner or whatever you wind up doing, chill out. Uh, savor the moment. All right. Hang out with your family. And uh, yeah. Hope you guys have a good one. All right. So without further ado, uh, if you enjoy what you heard today, you know, by all means, drop by Mr. P Explorers on Facebook. Say hello. Uh, you know, Instagram, Vero, uh, Twitter, you know, whatever. Come come by and say hello. Uh, I'm, I'm always I'm always loving to, to hear from you guys. Uh, if you have questions for the next Q and A, of course, ask away in those venues. Whatever you'd like to know, uh, we'll save that for the next Q and A. 
So on that note, I am going to get the heck out of here. Uh, enjoy your weekend. This is Mr. P signing off.